Welcome to another installment of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler, and in this episode, we are going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, <laughs> laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. I am excited today because I'm still podcasting out of Atlanta, Georgia, and our next guest is Dr. Princess <laughs> Rabina Malik, um, who's a strategic advisor, thought leader, and scholar. Um, you are a professor. You've done lots of, you've done TED Talks. You uh, teach leadership and mentoring workshops, mm-hmm. and you also coach people one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I remember seeing was there was a quote about that only 4% of women are CF- CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Mm-hmm. So I want to get into that and talk about gender and all that good stuff. But Dr. Princess Rabina, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. It's great to have you. Oh, Bob, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So you're a doctor. Mm-hmm. You've got your doctorate mm-hmm. and all those things. Did you, when you were 12 years old, did you say, I want to be an expert in leadership <laughs> and strategic, all of that? Did you, like, how did you get here? Yeah, um, that's really a great question, Bob. So I, I don't know if I did it at 12, but at some point I did. Because mm-hmm. ironically, back in 2000, when we had moved, um, I was un, you know unpacking some boxes. And I did find something where it said, you know, PhD. Right? Ah, yeah, wow. it's just kind of interesting. And, um, or maybe later I found it. I remember as I was in the process of getting my doctorate. And... But I was like, wow, interesting. Mm-hmm. And that actually, you know, brings me to the point of even uh, today, we, thank you for acknowledging my, my, me being a TEDx speaker, but um, I was, I'm decluttering, you know, unfiling stuff, oh, filing stuff. That fun stuff. That fun stuff. And um, I found a folder. It said, you know, TEDx talk. And the material in there was dated 2012. And so I already had these ideas and thoughts and I knew something that I wanted to talk about that even although it was in 2012 and I did it today, just a manifestation over time and that that concept was still alive today. The idea that was worth sharing was still alive. So um, it's just kind of interesting when we put something in place that we know we want um, and kind of like, like as they say, forget about it, but still take actions around it. So I was, it was still in my head. It was still things that I would do around it, you know, very small, but it took that long for, you know, to manifest. Do you think that that's pretty common in your life that you sort of see your future be your future? <laughs> like, I mean, I know people say that, but yeah. I, I'm a big believer in envisioning yeah. and that it comes to fruition. So I don't know if that was something intentional or just naturally happens for you. Um, <clears throat> that, that, I mean, obviously that was something intentional cause it's something that I wanted. And I mean, I had, you know, submitted my idea several times, but it, sometimes it's how you present it, what needs to be said and timing. But, um, you know, in reality, right? Like if I really think about it, if I say I want something, I usually will have it. And, you know, part of it is being intentional, mm-hmm. um, having your focus on it, you know, whether it's having a budget or whether it's, um, you know, going to Paris. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious because you mentioned you have two brothers mm-hmm. yeah. and I'm wondering if when you were a child, did your parents encourage you to be successful and did they sort of lay out a roadmap of what they would like to see <laughs> to make them proud. Mm-hmm. And did that, um, did that equate to what they also pushed for your brothers? Mm-hmm. Good question. 
I think, you know, I mean, my parents definitely wanted me to go to college, and you know, which I did. And I think every parent wants their child to be successful. And um, I mean, I definitely believe that was there. And I, you know, so I'm ten years older than my brothers, so oh, okay. Um, so you got to boss them around, pretty much. Okay, yeah, yeah. I still do. Okay, yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, they will tell you that probably too. But um, so I don't recall because you know, like I, you know, like I said, being ten years older and mm-hmm. you know stuff like that. But I know that you know uh, my parents, you know, definitely installed education and you know having a having a major that you know bring you um, credibility and profit before. So we, 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 know, we all kind of fall into that. And do you remember as, as a child of certain money mantras that your parents might say to you or, uh, you can't have that. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, saving was a big thing, right? Like just making sure we save, uh, you know, my, we didn't come from a lot. So, um, and it was, you know, making sure you save, you don't spend frivolously. So that definitely, you know, was in the back, uh, always in the background. And, mm-hmm. um, so it wasn't like, I'm not going to say things were easy you know, for us to have, but, you know, we did, our parents provided what we wanted or needed. Um, but there was definitely that in the background, not to be frivolous with your money, to be conservative, etc. And as an adult, are there any money memories that you still carry with you now as an adult that you might still say, well, gosh, that doesn't always serve me, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mom and dad said, mm-hmm. um, I think sometimes like double guessing myself, like if I really want something, but then it's just like, is it on sale? Is it, you know, <laughs> um, so going through that and sometimes I'm like, Oh, I should have just bought that. Right. Right. And, um, and, and really today and, you know, in this day and age, like I can, you know, like it's a different time, different, you know, different space that I can maybe buy something at, you know, full price. But I mean, I do still find myself, oh, I'll wait until it's a bargain, you know, okay. <laughs> until there's a sale. <laughs> what, what do you not like to spend money on? Mm. What do I not like to spend money on? A parking. <laughs> I hate parking. I agree with yes. you. Yes. <laughs> I cannot stand money. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so it's parking, and of course, you know, back in the day, growing up in Atlanta, there were so much parking spaces. You could park here, you could park there, but now it's like everywhere. Like it's so expensive to park, and I'm like, really, for twenty bucks for what? You know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I grew up in Tennessee, so when I moved to LA and I had to pay for parking, I was very. I will drive for two hours and waste a tank of gas <laughs> just to, to not pay yeah. more than $3 for parking. Yes. No, I totally hear you. And I mean, although I do have parking mojo, meaning I find good parking spaces, right? I find really good parking spaces, but I just, that whole parking, having to, <laughs> having to pay to park is like, I think it's a waste of money. It's a waste. Yeah. yeah I agree. Yeah. Um, what would you say was the best financial advice you ever received? Um, the what the best financial advice I've ever received is okay. You want something that's great, you might just might just do some research around it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so do your homework. Do your homework, yeah. And I think that goes you know a long ways. Whether it's something, especially in this day and age where you can get hop on the internet and go and find out like how much is somebody selling this for, and right. how am I going to get this for? So I, th- I think that, you know, always was very much, you know, sound advice and also saving. Yeah. You know, just making sure that, you know, like if I have a dollar, save the 10 cents, you know, out, out of that. And if, and 
if you just like currently, what would you say is your, the financial decision you are most proud of? Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, I'm so glad that I, well, I think, um, and actually my financial advisor would, you know, would brag about this as well. And, and he would sometimes tell me, he's like, you know, people make more, I mean, like more than you and they have less saved up. And, and I, I mean, and I don't, I don't, I don't make a lot, but you know, I made sure that, you know, I put as much as I could in the 401k, um, that the company would match. And, you know, like I really took that savings to heart. And, um, so that was, that was like a huge compliment that I'm really proud of is that, you know, like, although I was in graduate school and I, you know, it was, it was just, wasn't a lot to take from, but right. I took it and I put it aside. And that to me, um, you know, I'm really proudful of that. In terms of, um, finances, does gender play a role for you? Are you aware of having to worry about things differently than maybe your brother does or just in general, how society is, mm-hmm. is, are there, do you see differences in gen in the gender roles and finance? Yeah. I mean, and I think we do as women. Uh, well, I can't speak for all women. I think for myself yeah. as a woman, I do feel like, um, I have to be a little bit more conscientious about my money and where I'm spending it, making sure I have some, you know, you know, just in case, so, you know, my mom definitely taught me to, you know, have a, like a, a little, um, rainy day fund. And, you know, I feel like as women, we have that to worry about. Now I'm sure men have that too. I don't know if they talk about it or not, but there's other impacts. You know, you got women usually have children to worry about and take care of and, you know, other necessities that need to happen that maybe men may not have to worry about. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do feel like we have to be a little bit more conscientious about where we spend our money, how much we spend, do we have some in savings, et cetera. And how often do you talk with your friends about money situations? Like, do you talk with your friends about, oh my gosh, I just got so much debt going on this week or like, do you have conversations around money with, with friends or is that I, something more private? No, no. I mean, I definitely have conversations about, um, money with friends cause I'm committed to that. You know, people have freedom and I, I think a part of that freedom is having financial freedom. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and that doesn't mean that you don't have any debt. That really means like you kind of actually have power over that debt by being aware of what you have. Right. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> I mean, I remember a client one time would just, she would just freak out. Oh my God, I have all this debt. I have all of this. And I was like, okay, well let's, I'll tell you what, let's, let's have you organize all your debt, get all the things together. And then when she brought the spreadsheet, she was like, oh, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, she thought, she thought she was like under all of this debt really. But in reality, being aware of what debt you have and what you need to be responsible for is powerful. (laughs) That gives you freedom. You know, you may not be able to get out of it today, but you know, okay, I have this much and this is what I need to do to make this happen. Yeah. You know, and I think we all need to be aware of that and be cognizant of that. Are you aware of any like major financial fear? Like what, what's your biggest financial fear that, you know, I might run out of money. Yeah. Like financially, like sometimes like a, what if, you know, like what if I run out of money or, um, you know, what if I really need, uh, you know, like as I get older, if I get sick, you know, what if something happens? Will I need, will I have the money to take care of myself? (laughs) 
So, yeah, I mean, those fears, you know, as I'm chronologically advancing, mm-hmm. you know, really do come to play. And, like, I get intrigued about wanting to understand that and, and preparing for it. And I mean, I think yeah. part of, again, uh, that whole freedom part of it is being able to be prepared for it. Do you budget? Do you, like, do you sit down and, okay, I know I need to spend this much each month and I need to put away, like, do you have all that? strategically laid out you just roll with it what's your model for well I mean I I guess I could lie and say of course I have this beautiful budget and (laughs) I go by it every day I look at it that's awesome the beginning of the day and the end of the day and the reality is no right you know and you know again awareness is 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 freedom for me Mm -hmm. and so I do you know at the end of the month kind of um in my uh, these days there's so many ways that you can figure out, you know, how much money you're spending. And I use right. my check card a lot. Right. So I use, I, I kind of like that kind of helps me to budget how much money did I spend in food, this and that. And it gives me power to know like, okay, like, okay, Rubina, you've bought too many books this year, right? you know, or this month, and especially when you're doing your taxes and you're like, I bought a lot of books this year. Again, so I went on a book diet, you know, <laughs> but, um, just being being more aware, and I think budget creates that, and I think it also gives you power because mm-hmm. then you know where your money's moving. And um, so I do. I, here, one of my goals actually is to be a better budgeter, meaning okay. like really have more of a reality mm-hmm. of where my money is and where, you know where it's going. So I'm, that's the, one of the things that I'm working on uh, as I go into the new decade of 2020 is to you know create a process of my be more financially savvy. Um, but yeah, I think budget's very important and I think we all should have one and not just randomly spend our money, not knowing where it's going or, you know, what have you. Yeah. And what's your, so you're mentioning books. What's your biggest financial indulgence? Like, what do you, I don't care how much it costs. I gotta have it. What are you like? (laughs) Doesn't matter. I'm going to spend it. Yeah. Um, travel, travel. Like I really, you know, like, especially, experiences overseas Mm -hmm. uh, traveling overseas like um i mean that's definitely i think one of my Mm -hmm. indulgences Mm -hmm. and what do you what what is the benefit of travel like what do you get out of i mean i'm a i love travel yeah but like i'm just curious for you what's what is it that feeds you from traveling yeah well you know i've kind of traveled most of my life you know i would uh, earlier you know i would travel to go visit you know my grandparents when i was younger and then um, when I was in graduate school, I um, went to Europe, and that really kind of changed a whole different perspective mm. for me, yep. especially during my MBA. Pro- that was when I did my MBA program, and I traveled and was able to visit businesses and have businesses do business there and you know here. So I think the biggest thing is to be able to see how, one, how others live and do and play um, in other countries, mm-hmm. but as well as that. Yeah, we do. We, there's great things that we do here. There's great things that people do over there, and like having that exposure allows you to be, be allows you to expand yourself and allows you to think broader than just what you know. Mm-hmm. If you only have eaten chocolate, you don't know what it's like to have a swirl, right? Like right. of vanilla and chocolate, right? Well, you know, maybe if you go to you know France and Paris and you you see how people are doing this and people are doing that, and then how can I mix that? Um, so that's one. But just appreciating another culture and just seeing how other people actually live to me, it's just so beautiful to watch. 
and it just expands you like as a person you get to see individuals uh, you know live their life in a in a way that you're not familiar with and for you to learn from that so i prefer to you know really have consider myself to be a global citizen than a world mm-hmm. citizen um and you know one of the things that i love doing is actually talking about global competencies and i actually do take professionals overseas to create opportunities for them to not only have a workshop around global competencies and how do you work around globally, but also having experiences so you can understand when you are in a different world, like what that is like and how do you create that. And to me, that's just so invaluable. You, you come back a whole new person. Um, so I, there's so much I could talk about more, but I think those are the, the main things like really being able to you know find yourself expanding noticing how others can enrich other experiences can enrich your own experience and having you think broader yeah and in that so i'm i've traveled a bit and i recently traveled to africa mm. and one of the things that i became really aware of uh was that and you probably know this um that a lot of young women drop out of school um, when they hit their early mm-hmm. teens yeah. and, uh, and so that education might just be, you know, uh, it's the difference between like, have, like for what I learned was cause they, when I went to Africa, they said, bring hundreds of pairs of girls underwear. And I said, that's a weird request. And so yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't do it. And then I got there and they explained that a lot of girls drop out of school because they can't afford underwear. And this whole thing that seemed so basic to me mm-hmm. and i was it was like it was such a shift for me to understand that the difference of a couple of pair of clothing is a difference between an education for life mm-hmm. and that's like for me heartbreaking i'm wondering you I, I get the sense that women's empowerment is important to you totally and can you just share a little bit about like why that's important and what drove you to recognize the importance of empowering women. Yeah. Well, first of all, let's look at statistics, right? Like, so statistically, if we look at organizations that have women leaders, what they're doing better, right? Women naturally are, you know, better leaders in regards to what we naturally are more empathetic and we empower others, Right. So that also leads to the bottom line. People you want to people want to have a great place that they work and they feel like they're appreciated and they're happy with. Mm -hmm. And um, as well as the fact that women like if I teach a woman a skill and 95 percent of the time, she's going to take that skill and teach it down to the next person, to the next person, Mm -hmm. whether it's budgeting to her son or budgeting to her daughter, like she's going to pass that down. So women are the glue of families. Women are the glue of organizations. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, every successful man has a a woman behind him. I would assert that he can run some things through and maybe think think from a different perspective. So I think it's really important that we, um, you know, empower and encourage, you know, women's education, because when it comes to building businesses, when it comes to like micro economics um, in other countries, Mm -hmm. those women, if you look at even statistically, like they're willing to go out there and work to feed for their, you know, feed and fend for their Mm -hmm. family. And um, we need to make sure that we're empowering those women. We're providing them whatever they need, whether, and it's undergarments or whether it's shoes or books or what have you, but to really empower them so they can empower their family mm-hmm. and they can build their family. 
So wouldn't it be great to have a mom that could um, empower her daughter and her son because she has everything she needs to give them what they need, which is an education, um, clothing, you know, roof, food, food, roof over their head. And um, so I think it's just very important that we fulfill on that, that we provide not just uh, we teach them how to fish as well as give them fish, but really teach them how to fish. Because if we teach a woman how to fish, she's going to fish and then not only just feed her kids, but her her village. Right. Absolutely. And how do you um, in a society that currently or historically has favored white males, Mm -hmm. um, how do you encourage or give hope to women of color um, and women mm-hmm. to like hang in there because they do have more obstacles, um, in the way historically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wait, let's not talk about historically. Like, yeah. we, we still have them, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. It, they may be just like, it's just in a different, it's a, what, what do they say? You know, a wolf in a sheep's clothing or a sheep in a wolf's clothing. Right. I miss up colloquialism. It's something like that. It's yeah. Something like I, that, I, I right? Do that yeah. Too. That's right. <laughs> And so, you know, if we if we think about that, I mean, it's still happening, right? For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I think the biggest thing for me is uh, I like the big R, and that doesn't stand for Rabina, but that stands for <laughs> being responsible, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, really owning and being responsible for how am I doing, what am I doing to show up, and how can I be responsible for creating what I say that I want, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, there might be some obstacles in the way. But then how are you going to conquer that obstacle? Right. Are you going to bully with your way through it? Which, you know, people may not see that very uh, favorable. Or are you going to be an influencer? How can we influence those around us to have what it is that we want? And sometimes it's how we ask for something, what we do, how we communicate it. And it's also educating other people as well, right? So right. as a woman of, you know... As a brown woman, you know, it's my job to actually educate people about my culture, about who I am. And that, you know, as we were talking about earlier, that like I, I didn't get off a ship or a boat, you know, a lifeboat. I mean, I actually came off the airplane. Like I, I, right. I may have been an immigrant, but like my story, my narrative is totally different. Right. So we can't judge, you know, each person. But we have to make sure that we um, are respecting each person and each person's narrative and story. So, uh, it's, you know, it's getting yourself educated, getting your skills, you know, ha- have the skills that you need and also asking for what it is. If you feel like you have those skills and be confident in those skills to like ask for a promotion or ask for something that you want. Right. Right. So when we're talking about sponsorship, half the time women aren't asking to be sponsored or to be moved up or be considered for a position because we want our, our work to speak for itself, which it might but then until we ask, we don't know. So like being responsible mm-hmm. for creating what we say we want. So that just, when you were talking about that and women not asking, that reminded, there was a, there was a article in Psychology Today about uh, the imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that uh, a good number of women and men, yeah. but of women that felt like that they didn't actually earn their position or that uh, like that they're imposters, mm-hmm. right? And they don't take into account the fact that they got the education or they don't have, yeah. they had the experience. And so I'm wondering, have you ever had that experience of feeling like, 
oh my gosh, I'm an imposter. You're an expert. People look to you. Yeah. And um, did you ever have that in the place where you doubted yourself or, oh my gosh, how did I get here? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, of course, I, if I could, you know, if I want to be vain and I'd be like, oh, of course, of course, I've never had that imposter okay. syndrome, right? <laughs> but, you know, to be, I'm, I'll be truthful, yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think we all, in, in, a, in a moment, have that imposter syndrome. And sometimes you do, you know, we, Barney Brown talks about it. Um, you know, one of my one of my peers in the academy just did a, her, her TED Talk on the imposter syndrome. Oh, okay. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've definitely had that. You know, not only am I a woman, but I'm a brown woman. And it's you know, like, oh, am, am I, should I even be here? Why was I considered, you know, et cetera. And then it's always nice to be affirmed and validated when people see you for what you bring to the table not just, you know, who you are. And I like to think that you get invited to places because you have something to offer. Right. You know, people heard you say something and, and I do believe that's true. I mean, I think I've built my relationships. People, there's trust in those relationships. Now to bring it back to you, um, and being a princess, (laughs) self-acclaimed, self-acclaimed. So I was going to ask, were you born a princess? (laughs) Um, did you become self Acclaimed princess <laughs> and being a princess doesn't mean that you don't have power and knowledge and the ability to take on the world. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. So it's, an, it's being an empowered, an empowered princess. <laughs> yeah. 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 And of course, you know, obviously you, uh, we were kind of joking and you mm-hmm. know, your, your sister knows me and, she, and you know, she knows my, my self-acclaimedness. Um, but yeah, so, you know, as a princess, I think if we look at that and if we, you know, unpack that whole concept, right. It's, um, I mean, princesses are very powerful women, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, we have the stigma of what a princess should be, but really if you, if you look in the world, like there were very powerful women who owned their state, you know, fought for their state in some, in, in some ways, even, you know, behind a queen or what have you. Right. But yeah, so as a princess, you know, you, you own your power, you, um, and you empower yourself and others, those around you, and that you make sure what you stand for um, is something that you fight for, and that you make sure that there's you know pow- uh, that that equity and that power and that empowerment of that what you stand for is happening in the world, right? Um, you know, like Princess Diane, uh, yeah, I mean, right. rest her soul. Like, I mean, she was definitely an example of that. Like, she really believed in something and stood for something. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I think for me, that's what you know that really is. It's, it's not just about oh, you know, I'm so cute, and but it's about what do I really stand for and how mm-hmm. am I willing to do that? So, and along those lines, what what do you want your legacy to be? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you want your footprint? Yeah, that's really a great question. Um, um. When people when people talk about me, um, and I tell my mentees that one day, you know, like I want to make sure, like when I do transition, that like they have a big get together and they sit around talking talking about their stories with Dr. Malik, and um, I want to hear if I was listening to them, I want to hear stuff like, you know, she definitely created equity in the world, equity, mm-hmm. equity, not equality, equity in the world, mm-hmm. right. And that she um, was fun-loving and that she was caring, mm. right? And that I was generous and gracious. And um, I want to make sure that people understand that and, and, and know that. And for me, it's also, you know, pulling those around me up so they can have the same opportunities that mm-hmm. I may have. 
and creating equity in a space where everybody has the same you know, the opportunities to build their skill sets, to build their competencies, to move up to leadership roles, not just because the color of your skin or, you know, who you know. Um, and that's what I want to be known for, as I was a fighter for equity. Awesome. Yeah. So what advice would you give to not yet known to themselves, mm-hmm. princesses, <laughs> um, as they're starting off in the world to have success? Uh, well, the first thing I would say to them is to one, you know, own themselves, you know, be themselves, be authentic, be, you know, know who you are and own yourself. Um, secondly, I would say go and get the education. You know, I don't know what that education looks like. Of course, being a highly educated woman myself, I would say go get degrees. Right. But I realize that that may not necessarily right be the same road for everyone. So whether it's a formal education and you want to go get your degrees, that's fine. But if it's not that education, go get education around a skill. Just make sure you have some sort of skill or a competency that you can work off of, like have a niche. So, you know, go be the best seamstress there is or the best cook or the best whatever that you want to be. Have some sort of skill set that could support you. Um, in time of need and, you know, make you, you know, really stand out. And then um, also to, you know, really be um, gracious and generous to those around you. You know, it doesn't, um, it, it, it doesn't cost a lot to be kind to, you know, to, to people. And I'm a humanitarian. Um, I mean, I can see, a, you know, a squirrel across the street and be limping and get my feelings hurt and start, <laughs> you know, because like I, I don't want anybody to hurt. Um, right. But, you know, we live in a world where um, we could use more kindness, you know, Absolutely. but, you know, to be kind to people. And it doesn't take a lot to be kind. It could just be a smile. It's, hey, Bob, how are you? Like authentically asking, how are you? Right. Without a right. don't answer that. Don't answer that. Yeah. Right. right. You know, <laughs> how yeah. are you doing? Don't. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just asking, don't answer. Yeah, it, please, right? don't. Yeah. please don't go into it. Don't be. Yeah. Vulnerable. Yeah. And so, you know, to me, that's you know, talking about vulnerability too, right? Like being, um, um, being vulnerable, being open, allowing, you know, as well as, um, you know, developing yourself, like whatever that looks like for you, whether it's developing a skill, you know, knowing yourself, um, being responsible for your life, like really owning and being responsible. You know, I could say that big R, yeah. Being, being, you know, being responsible. And, um, I really, I think as, as we all, not just, you know, self-acclaimed princesses, but as, right. we, as we all own, own that, I think we could all make it a better world. And, you know, for me, I, I want to leave it a better world. Absolutely. Well, yeah. awesome. Well, I feel like I could sit here and talk to you for the next 10 hours and uh, I think maybe we could solve the world. Yeah. Um, it would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I so appreciate having you here. Where can people find you on social media? And I know you've got Ted talks out there and you're going to be at South by Southwest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But thank where can you. people yeah. find you? So my website is Rabina, R-U-B-I-N-A-F as in fabulous Malik, M-A-L-I-K.com. And, uh, so from there, you can also find me on Instagram, uh, Packy Peach, P-A-K-I-E Peach. <laughs> uh, you can call me, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rabina F. Malik and on LinkedIn on Rabina F. Malik as well. Well, that is great. I hope people look you up. I am, you know, I can even, I never can even remember where I can find me on social media. So it's gotten so complicated. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, oh, and you were talking about my TED Talk, which is perfect because that's what my TED Talk is about. You know, having a connection in a world of digital age. Right. right? So, we're all connected, but not connected. Yeah, right. Like we're connected, <laughs> but not connected. So, but really having, 
one-on-one interactions. And I think that's the other thing that I like to leave the listeners with is to make sure you're connecting with those around you and not through media, but like actually like you and I are sitting, yeah, like you and I are sitting here across from each other um, in one of my good friends' living room, right? So it's connection. Like I've connected with four people just in this one place yeah, and making sure we, that creates kindness as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Much more pleasant to sit with you in person than over a remote Yes. phone and earphones and a little box. Yeah. So I so appreciate you coming out today. Thank you. Um, I, it's great to meet another self-acclaimed princess. I've been meeting a <laughs> few of them. And so that's pretty awesome. And, um, so really grateful. Thank you. And, um, to the listeners out there, please don't forget to share the love. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram search for money. You should ask all one word. And if you have a question you'd like to ask us or one of our future guests, you can visit us at our website, moneyyoushouldask.com, and click on Ask Bob. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. For more tips, stories, financial tools to help you have a healthier relationship with money, be sure to check out themoneynerve.com. Again, Dr. Princess Rabina, it has been super wonderful, and it's so appreciated. Thank you so much, Bob. It was a pleasure. 